want to shout out on Valentine's Day to my wife at home, wrapped up in her little shishi, all warm, watching uh, what's happening here, as all of you are as well. I know you all want to know what a shishi is. A shishi is one of those soft little blankets that you wrap yourself up into, and they're nice and cozy. Every man has a shishi. Every woman has a shishi of some sort, I'm sure. Do you have a shishi, John? You know what? I'm going to get you a shishi, so don't worry. We have an audience of one here today, and this is just fantastic. We love it. John is our faithful audience of one. But happy anniversary. I mean, not anniversary, but Valentine's Day, which reminds me of our anniversary, babe. We started dating when we were 16 years old. Yep, 16 years old. I pulled up in front of her dad's house with my 1960 Ford panel truck, which is kind of like an oil rig that was painted with green paint with a brush. Uh, I had one seat, the driver's seat. Uh, the passenger seat was a beer keg. Oh, actually, no, it was a folding chair. That's what it was. I pulled up, picked her up, took her on a date, won her right there. That was our first date. I would have been great. You know what? If I was around during Match.com and all that kind of stuff, and I showed up like that, that would have been one of the horror stories that one of the the gals would have said, but my wife seemed to like it. And she also loved my afro that I had that was about out to here. It's pretty cool. And uh, I was pretty awesome. But I was thinking about this when I thought about Valentine's Day. You know, it's interesting how uh, when we think about relationships, and that's our series right now, Interpersonal, uh, we're talking about uh, how relationships are affected by the things that we do and we say, but also it is affected by our posture. And the same thing goes true for our relationship with God. If our relationship with God has the right posture, we see beautiful benefits. But if it has a wrong posture, things can go off. You know, and oftentimes what happens is when we posture ourselves with God, oftentimes we refine our belief system. And we become a Christian or we begin to follow Jesus. And and we make it all about our doctrine or our belief system which I think is very important. But the interesting thing is, when you begin to have your relationship focused just on having the right beliefs about God and expecting God to do the things that he says he's going to do in this Bible, and you hold his promises to him, and that's all you do, then your relationship can be filled with expectation but no accountability to yourself. Are you catching me? Sometimes our relationships are like that with our our spouses. And what can happen is, or relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, our relationship with our, our children. We have these expectations that they're going to do what they're supposed to do as a spouse or as a child or as a father or mother. We have that. And so we believe this is how they should act or this is what they should do. And when it doesn't happen, it throws us off. Because our relationship is one-dimensional. It's filled with expectation, but not accountability, not inspiration, not something that comes from the inside or the heart. And so maybe what we should do, especially on Valentine's Day while we're seeing hearts everywhere and stuff, we're talking about, we're talking about the feeling on the inside that comes when you have a love and a pure spirit of intent towards your child, towards your father, towards your mother, 
toward your friends, toward your co-workers, toward your, to your church members. And when you have that, and that drives it, and you begin to refine your spirit or your intentions instead of just your beliefs about the other person doing what you expect them to do, maybe that would relieve us from some of our tension. So today I want to talk to you about making sure that we have the right posture when it comes to our relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the spirit of God that leads us, that guides us, that directs us. Help us square ourselves up with that spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So I want you to turn to Psalms 145, starting with verse 8. Psalms 145 and verse 8. We can see here in this scripture, you can see God's intent for us. It's a beautiful spirit. It says this, starting with verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of his creation. It's not just, his, not just the people. Not just United States citizens. Not just Christian people. He showers his compassion on all people. On all of creation. He showers that compassion. Okay, now This is his posture. This is his intent. He's merciful. He's compassionate. Slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on his creation. When I read this scripture, I started thinking about this. Is if I'm a follower of God, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I'm following this. I'm following this intent, this spirit. This is a posture that God has towards us. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that God's posture towards them is, is a hammer coming down on top of them. Jumping on them on every bad move, every bad thing that they've done or said. And so they think God's posture is against them. But actually God's posture is leaning towards them. You know, uh, it's interesting when I first uh, learned to drive and everything and got my own first car and everything. I got brand new car tires on my car. And it was a Datsun B210. And I was at 19, I think it was a 1976 Datsun B210. It was amazing. And uh, I'm driving down the road about two months after getting these, these tires on this, this car. And I noticed that one of the tires is bald. And, and I, so I asked my dad, I said, dad, we just, these tires are like new. What happened? And he says, well, son, your, your car must be out of alignment or your wheels are out of balance. You've been driving on it out, out of alignment. It hasn't been pulling one way. Yeah, I have to hold the steering wheel to keep it from going off to the left. He said, well, that's the problem. You got to get in alignment. And see, I think this is the way it is with some of our relationships. The reason some of our relationships aren't working, you know, you can feel the rub. You can feel the baldness with certain people. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your spouse, coworker, pastor, volunteer, staff member, owner, Whoever it is that you have a relationship, neighbor, you start to notice that there's a rub. It's rubbing wrong. Pretty soon it starts to wear down the relationship. It's because it's out of alignment. And this is the alignment that we want to align to. Now, a lot of us are aligned to culture. We see what's happening on the news. 
We see what's happening on social media. We align ourselves to it. We like certain things. We support certain things. We comment on certain things. Why? Because we're aligning with it. We're saying, oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. But we're not spending the same amount of time aligning with God and, and allowing his intent and his posture towards us to be our posture towards him and to the, those around us. And so I would say what I would say for you and me, and I've noted, I, this is big for me right now because I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm, I'm having this awareness that I've, been, I've got a rub. COVID, I think, has given us a rub. I think our lack of relationships being uh, encountered face-to-face has been rubbing us wrong. And maybe that has created this lack of posturing ourselves with God and submitting to the posture or the intent that God has towards us and adopting it towards the people that we love. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you imagine if you held the belief that God is postured against you, how much prayer would you do? If you thought that God was really angry with you or he had forgotten you, how much time would you spend in his presence? Not much. If you thought your husband or wife or your brother or sister or your parent or your son or daughter, if you thought that their intent towards you was evil or dark, would you want to spend time in their presence? Would you want to eat cereal with them? Would you want to make pancakes with them? Would you want to hang out in the front room and watch church together? No, you'd go into separate rooms. Why? Because nobody wants to be around somebody that's rubbing them wrong, right? Sometimes we don't even want to be around ourselves because we rub ourselves wrong. And so in our relationships, how we posture ourselves and how we receive God's posture is really, really important. Let's look at, at James chapter 4. In our relationships, we got so many different interpersonal relationships. And the reason we call it interpersonal is because relationships start from the deepest, coarse heart of our intention. It, it, it's from on in, the inside. It's the way our motives, it's our thoughts. It's our emotions, it's our story, it's our memory, and and we add it all together. It's all part of our soul, right? But it's deeply personal. And because our deeply personal space is so connected to other people and it determines how we posture ourselves with others, it becomes very interpersonal. And so every single relationship functions out of the same principles when it comes to the heart of God. Now, if you want to just allow social media to shape you, go ahead. You can. But your spirit's going to become bitter. You're going to have a bunch of people you can't be around anymore. You have a lot of people you can't even talk to. Because what, what you, you, you have to unfriend them. Why? Because you can't stand how they're postured against you or you're postured against them. But if we will begin in all of our relationships to align them, like you align your car so that the tires don't go bald, we align ourselves with God's intent so that then we don't begin to rub our tires wrong. Our relationships don't misfire. And then all of a sudden our relationships become lifetime or they become great memories, great experiences that we've had along the journey of life instead of broken hearts, broken relationships, bad breakups, all that kind of stuff. 
But it all starts with aligning ourselves with the heart and intent and the spirit of God, okay? In James chapter four, verse one, Jesus' brother, who, who had this message of Jesus down pretty good, okay? And he says it like this. He says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? That word evil, also translated as conflicting desires, the ones that rage against each other, that divide your soul, that war within you. You want, but you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you, you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Now, this is really interesting because this uncovers motive. This uncovers intent of human beings. And what he's addressing is these different tribes of people would wage war with one another. They would fight because of jealousy. They wanted what the other tribes had. And so what they would do is fight and kill to get it. But you know what? Maybe some of that language turns us off today because maybe we don't think that we're scheming and fighting and and killing. But maybe in our relationships, what we're doing is we are fighting to get our way. Maybe we're fighting to have our personal beliefs or our personal thoughts or expectations to be met no matter what the cost. We're willing to kill for it. I mean, we're really willing to lose the relationship in order to get what we want. How many marriages in because there's one or both are, are fighting and scheming and trying to get just what they want? Okay, now when I say that, I'm not talking about there's times when there is boundaries that have to be set. There's some tough love that has to be put into place. I I get that. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is in the building of our relationships, in the managing of them, you have to begin to look to see, is there a rub that is causing the tire to go bald? Is there a rub that is causing the relationship to be disconnected? Is there a rub that is causing you to posture yourself away from or to keep people out? Some of us have made vows, what I call vows in the dark. You had a dark experience with somebody and you made a vow to never trust them again or to close your heart off to them. And sometimes those vows in the dark, or in other words, you created a vision based on dark circumstances or dark input or dark spirits or woundedness or hurt or pain of some sort. And you made a vow or a commitment, a decision. Instead of going back and realigning yourself with the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Interesting, huh? So let's talk about this this posturing and let's go to James chapter three. In James chapter three, verse 13, 
he goes on, uh, or this is, this is what he said before he ever said anything about what's causing fights and quarrels. He's laying a foundation that I think is the foundation that helps us posture ourselves in all of our relationships, okay? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Okay, so notice this. We show our good life by the deeds done in the humility that comes from the wisdom of God. You know, it's interesting. When you tap into the wisdom of God, it humbles you. We'll get to what humble means in a minute. Okay? It it literally humbles you. When you align yourself, when you go back to God and you see how God leans into us, and that's how we're supposed to lean into others, it humbles us because really that wisdom is causing us to do something that we don't want to do because there's these desires that are warring on the inside of us that make us want to posture ourselves or to fight or to hold out or to not forgive or all all that kind of stuff, right? Next week, we're gonna have uh, Dean Smith talk to us about unforgiveness uh, and the power of forgiveness and what it can mean to our relationships. What is that? It's humbling ourselves to position ourselves or posture ourselves in a way that that, that that act or that pain or that discord no longer controls us, but we're completely free from it so that we can lean into our relationships in a healthy way. And so it goes on to say this, verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Are you seeing what I'm, what, what, you see what he's saying here? This is like intense because what he's saying is as you hold resentment, as you hold unforgiveness, as you hold bitterness, it's a form of earthly wisdom. It comes from our culture. It comes from our pain. It comes from our anger and our hurt and all those kinds of things. You, when you hold it inside of yourself, you are operating out of wisdom, but it's earthly wisdom. And so if you're feeling an energy off social media that causes you to posture yourself against anyone, it's earthly wisdom. It's earthly. If you're harboring something against your kids or your parents or your boss or your world or Democrats or Republicans or Trumpers or never Trumpers, if you're holding this anger and this hostility towards them, you're operating out of wisdom, but it's earthly wisdom. And what we need to do is operate out of the pure spirit of intent that causes us to do and say and think things that we don't want to do, say, and think. We want to follow God's mercy, compassion. Boy, we need this like never before. I remember when Tina and I, we were going to buy a new house. And our kids had grown up in this one house over in Kent. uh, And it, it served us well. 
And, uh, but we wanted to get some more space. We wanted a little bit bigger house. Uh, we wanted a little bit bigger yard. And uh, we just wanted a change of pace, to be honest with you. And uh, so we found this old house over on the East Hill of Kent that had this cool covered porch and it had this huge maple tree out in front. It was built in like 1910. It was really, really cool. Uh, it had a swimming pool on the side of the yard. Uh, it had this cool fir tree that went really high. Uh, and it had um, all the bedrooms that we needed. And uh, we, we looked at it and we go, oh my gosh, this is like got the most charm. This is going to have, we're going to have some cool parties. The kids can bring their friends over and go swimming. This is going to be so much fun. The owners of the house told us how much fun they had raising their kids there and swimming and in the, in the house, all the, all the stuff, right? And when you come down the street, it's, this house stands out so beautiful. So Tina and I tour it. We loved it. We go downstairs and down, even the, even the basement had all these shelves for storage and stuff. We thought, oh man, this is like the place for us. Big country kitchen, all that. Big master bedroom. We thought, this is, this is it, man. This is a step up. But we knew that it was gonna cost us every penny we had to, just to get into the house. Well, we'd had two houses before that and it cost us every penny to get into them and it went, still went okay. Things went all right. So we figured well, we can do this again. So we called Tina's dad, who's an engineer and a very methodical thinker, to come and confirm our decision. And uh, he came and he took a tour of it and he pointed out all the things that he thought were really cool features, just like we had noticed. And, and he sat down with us and I, he said, I, I can see that you really like this house. This seems like it would be a really good fit for you. He goes, yeah, yeah, it really would. And, uh, and, th- and then... <laughs> He says, so let, let me ask you a few questions. And he pulls out a piece of paper and he draws a circle of, of a pie. He draws a pie and says, okay, how much time do you spend working? So we put in that many hours. How much time do you want to spend every day with the kids and playing with the kids? And so we put that number down. How much time do you want to spend with your friends? And put that down. How much time do you want to spend? Do you guys go and go on date nights? You want to do, okay, put that down. And then he said, uh, okay, how much time do you want to spend working on the yard? And he put that down. And, uh, and so pretty soon we had this pie. And uh, he says, you know, it looks like you're going to need a few more hours. So why is that? It looks like everything's evened out here. He says, well, you have to understand that, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but when you look at the swimming pool, did you notice that there was a crack that went from the bottom all the way up to the top edge that had been patched several times? You can tell. I said, no, I didn't see that. Well, did you, did you happen to notice that there's a fir tree right above the, the swimming pool? I said, I... I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's going to leave a lot of pine cones and a lot of pine needles in your filter. It's just going to be a lot of maintenance. What about these leaves when they fall or the, drop those little helicopters? And it's like, oh, man. He said, well, I don't know if you noticed this, but down in the basement there was a sump pump, and that's why there's that musty smell. And that's why there's a rat down there in the rat trap. Did, did you see that in the corner? No, didn't see that. He said, did you notice that the bedrooms only had one outlet in each bedroom? No, I didn't see that. And all of a sudden, as he said, well, I just wanted to bring these things to your attention so that when you go in, when you buy this house, that you know what you're getting yourself into. You have to understand 
that you're probably going to have to redo the electrical. It'll be about $10,000. And as he's going through it, we're going, none of this is something that we saw. But all of it is something that changes the pie. All of it, then he draws the financial pie. And by the time he was done, we knew that the wisdom that he had was the wisdom we needed to keep us out of a bad purchase. So we decided not to buy it. But the only, oh man, if we would have bought that house looking back, we never would have got the house that we ended up buying, which didn't have any of those problems and had double the features and double the, everything was better. Size, everything was better, way better, and it was a lot less expensive. But we heeded to the wisdom of the father because we knew that he had something that went against what we wanted to do. And when we went to that meeting, we postured postured ourselves to listen to him. And when we did, we realigned with him. And then as we realigned with him, we made a really good choice. This is what I'm trying to say when it comes to posturing yourself with God for his wisdom. There is a earthly wisdom and there's a godly wisdom. And the scripture tells us that if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And when you go to God for wisdom, what you're saying is my intent is pure towards God. God's intent towards me is pure. So whatever I get from God, I'm going to come and bring it out to my relationships. When you go to God and you pray about the relationship or the rub with your spouse or the rub with your kids or the rub with that friend of yours or that neighbor and you go to God, he may tell you something about how you're thinking about it that you may not want to hear. But if you posture yourself with ears to hear what his spirit is saying to you, your relationships can go to a whole new level because it may cause you to apologize It may cause you to make a phone call you don't want to make. It may cause you to admit you're wrong. Or maybe to just drop what you're holding against that person long enough for you to heal. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. Now, let's let's read on a little bit. Verse 16. Where you have envy and selfish ambition you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Ooh, we don't like that word these days. Full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial and sincere. This is all what we want in our relationships. We want all this. We want people to treat us this way. But more importantly, we should want to treat people this way. And when we go to God for wisdom about our relationships, all of a sudden, that pure spirit of intent builds up on the inside. Beautiful things begin to happen. I have a a list of what I call, this is, the sacred trio. And when you seek the whole 
wisdom of God regarding your relationships, it opens up the door for the sacred trio to come in. And when you explore these, these three things, the, you should write these down. If you're at home, write these down. Uh, if you've got a pen but you don't have any paper, just write on your, your spouse's hand or something. Write it down somewhere on their back, whatever. Uh, but write these down because these three things really are the byproduct of you seeking the wisdom of God. And if, if you don't see these three, three things um, popping up in your life, at least occasionally, okay, uh, it's, what, the goal would be to have it all the time, but we're all humans and they're not going to be there all the time. But these are the kinds of things that pop up when you repeatedly go and submit yourself to the presence of God. The first one is, is grace. The first one is grace. And grace is allowing for the other human real, to realize, um, let me say it this way. Grace is the ability to allow people to be human. Uh, it's, it's the realization that you have the opportunity with your gifts and strengths and your perspective to help that person where they do not meet the mark. Whether it's their own mark or God's mark or the relationship mark or whatever the case may be, grace is allowing for the other person to be human. That's a, that's a powerful thought because we all need grace. No one likes being judged. I don't like to be judged. You don't like to be judged. Um, and therefore, let's make sure that we posture ourselves when we feel judgment in our heart towards someone or when we begin to condemn them or keep a list of all the things that they have not measured up for. And all of a sudden, when you realize that you, there's fine, you know, back when I was a kid, we used to collect green stamps at the gas station and you'd put them in a book. And as soon as the book was full of green stamps, you could cash it in. It's kind of like a coffee card today. You know where you get enough stamps? Do they even have those coffee cards anymore? Uh, you get a stamp and then you get a free coffee. Well, we would get like toys and we'd get dishes and all kinds of stuff with green stamps. And when you get enough stamps, you cash it in. And this is the way people are. They, sometimes they hold enough against people, then they cash it in and say, the relationship's done. Relationship's done. So grace. We need to go to God to get grace instead of going to God to get stuff. Instead of going to God to get him to move somebody, get him to move yourself. And go to God and just say, God, change how I feel about this person or think. Help me repackage this. Okay, here's the second one of the trio, mercy. Mercy is showing unfair kindness to the other. It's empathy inspired by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been walking down the road and you see somebody that's on the side of the road and you just felt like you're supposed to help the guy out? You're supposed to help that gal out. This happens to my wife and she'll be going someplace and no, normally she does not do anything like give money to people or any of those kinds of things, but sometimes God just does something in her heart and she feels this, this pain, feels this longing, this compassion that she wants to go do something to help that person, knowing it's not going to actually help them, but it might relieve some pain for a moment. It's not going to change how they live it, but it may change how they feel for that moment. It may be a moment of clarity that they make a decision to go get the help that they really need or to accept the help that is really going to help them. But there is this mercy 
showing unfair kindness. You see, there, sometimes there's unfairness and meanness that's not right, but there's also unfair kindness. Unfair kindness is when the person doesn't deserve what you have to offer them, but you give it to them anyway. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has inspired the empathy in your heart. Here's a third one, humility, which is controlled strength. When you yield to the strengths and interests of the other. In our relationships, what if instead of combating them or fighting them or you know, competing with them or one-upping them or holding them to promises that they made that they can't fulfill or didn't fulfill. Instead of doing that, you allow yourself to control the strength that you have. Maybe you're super disciplined and you're around somebody that's completely out of control. Humility says, I'm gonna yield to the strength they have, not compare my strength to their weakness. Did you hear that? Sometimes I think we compare our strengths to other people's weaknesses instead of allowing their strength to help us in our weakness, we look at where they're lacking because of the strength that comes easy to us. And so humility, mercy, and grace are all things that you see in these passages that says that wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. This is how we posture ourselves. And if we will take this into all of our relationships, instead of taking being right into the relationship, I wrote this down, some things, these came to my mind. If we go into the relationship not to get, not to be right, not to control, not to win, not to harm or eat, you know, or even get even, okay? But to love. That would be the way you posture yourself as somebody that chooses to take these three things, grace, mercy, and humility, bring it into our lives and then watch what happens to your marriage. Watch what happens to your friendships. Watch what happens to you and your coworkers. When we begin to do this, when I begin to do this, I'm gonna see changes in my marriage. I'm gonna see it in my relationship with you, with everybody in this room. I'm gonna begin to see those kinds of results because I go to the Father. Instead of trying to get something from God, I try to allow God to shape me so that I can go out with that wisdom. Man, so much better that way, amen? So what I'd like you to do, right where you're sitting at home right now, I'd like you, if you just put your hand on your heart right now and make the decision right now. Pretend like I am your dad and I'm talking to you about the tires on your car and I come to you and I tell you, hey, uh, Steve, there's, there's some wear on your tires there's some wear on your relationships. It's, it's time that we look at how that rub is affecting your spouse. It's time that we see that control, how it's breaking your son or your daughter. It's time 
to look at the need to be right as being almost abusive, harmful, hurtful to your spouse. Why do you have to be right? Maybe having the right spirit is more important than having the right opinion. Lord, I pray for every person watching right now. I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to purify their heart and their intentions. God, for those that are carrying wounds of the past, bitternesses and pains, I pray that you would bring healing and restoration. For those that have had trauma inflicted on them, God, I pray that you would begin to give them the wisdom they need to deal with that trauma, not to bury it, not to ignore it, but to process it in a way that is healthy and gives them more grace, more mercy, more humility. May your spirit begin to shape them in ways like never before. And God, I ask you to give us a spirit of forgiveness as we get ready for next week, God. Dean Smith comes here and and ministers to us. God, I pray that you would posture our hearts in such a way that we'd be open to hear the hard things because I just have a feeling, God, that there's some things that are gonna be spoken that are gonna rock us to our core. So we posture ourselves now and we ask you, God, give us your wisdom, pure, honest, and good for the soul. In Jesus' name.